We're talking about cursing this morning. Amen? Cursing. Uh, we have some pros today, I think, in the house. I think I know a few of you guys. You have some skills in this arena, right? Um, I mean, that's pretty rough. The Message Bible, uh, Eugene Peterson, he has a great job sometimes. There are passages in the Scriptures where we have learned to read things with kind of this I don't know how you put it. It's this distance we give ourselves with the Scriptures. You know, it's, it's read as the sacred text in a way that, we, that we, we take our emotions and our experiences and we kind of pull them back from the text. But uh, the message sometimes helps us. It kind of grabs us. And, and so in this psalm, it's easy for us to read through these things and, you know, like the, the terms for the curses that they'll use uh, in the translation sometimes just don't really hit home. But the message it, it just does... It <laughs> let's just read it. My gosh. What do you say about the kids again? Uh, Give him a short life. Oh, I love that. And his job to somebody else. Make orphans of his children. Amen, right? Exactly. And then he goes on and he says, uh, turn his children into begging street urchins. I mean, it's one thing to go after someone, right? But to go after their kids. I mean, this is like some serious venom and hate that's going on here. And uh, he's pouring this out with such a, a directness, a sharpness. Now, uh, what's interesting about this passage itself, depending on your translation in verse 6, it will say, they said. Check your Bibles if you have them. Okay, that's, that's probably like three people. But if you do have them, just open up and check it. It might say, they said. Now, what's interesting about this little trick here is that uh, the translators are putting all of the ugliness of the text on the bad guys. But that's nowhere in the Hebrew text. It's something that translators did to try to, I don't know, to, to beautify this ugliness, to take this, this rawness and to shift it on to that, that other, whoever that, that bad, awful person is. Let's put it off on them. But there's such a hypocrisy inside of this psalm, right? He's, he's, he's going through, since this guy loves cursing so much, he bathes in curses, you know, so that you would rain down curses on him. And then, of course, he says, but my mouth is full of praises to the Lord. At all times. I have not just been cursing. I have not just gone on for five minutes about things that happened to his wife and his children and to his dog. That's not me. I sing praises to the Lord at all times, right? Um, it's beautiful, but uh, you guys like not quite I'm sure that's beautiful. Now, what's going on with this? This is one of the, the imprecatory psalms, okay? So what happens in these, the idea is that these are the passages in the Scriptures where the Psalters are honest enough to actually speak what their will over their enemies. This is what would happen to them if I were God. If I sat in Yahweh's chair, this is what I would do to them. Uh, here's an example. Uh, who has children or had children you know, who are younger, right? Okay, when they get in a fight, they both come to you and they plead their case, right? No, 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 this happened, and they tripped me, and they punched me on purpose, right? And, and of course, the other kid's going, no, it was an accident. They fell on my fist. <laughs> yes, right? Okay. And then and as this is happening, as they're telling you the story, they're also telling you what should happen to the other one. He shouldn't be able to go to the park today. You should take away all his toys, and you should put him to bed early with no food, right? And you should give all his good toys to me, because he doesn't deserve toys, because if I were the parent, here's what I would do. You get it? Now, here's what the imprecatory psalms are. It's, if I were God, here's what I would do. Okay? Now, what's interesting in the psalms, two-thirds of the psalms are made up of lament songs, which we'll talk about uh, next week. And then you've got the, these kind of these hate-filled 
Psalms. Only a small portion of the Psalms are beautiful and thankful and gracious. What's interesting in our churches is the only songs we actually sing are what? Pretty and happy and we smile and we praise God, right? But the majority of the Psalms are not that. So with the worship team, uh, Nisa, uh, she shared one of her songs this morning. It's the last song that we sung. When she wrote it, she brought it to me. She goes, I don't know if we can sing this. And I, and I, you know, I just freaked out. I was like, finally, someone's going to write an honest song. Right? Though you slay me. I love that. Now again, it's not about what is real. These psalms are not about reality. These psalms are about what is our reality. What is real to us. It doesn't matter the theology is God the one behind the evil or not. What matters is how it feels to me. It feels like God is punishing me. So what's next, babe? Imprecatory songs. Songs about punching people's kids and like losing their jobs, that their houses would burn down, and we're going to sing that together, right? And then like say amen, right? Oh, you guys don't want to sing the scriptures anymore? You don't want to do that? Jenny Dumont, she's doing a Bible journaling class, and I think the next one needs to be on one of these psalms. We're going to journal all the honest thoughts that come up when we think about our enemies. Who has done the worst things to us? Let's journal it out to Jesus, right? If you guys don't know her, she's one of the, the sweetest, happiest people in the room. So for her to, oh gosh, Jesus, it would be a blast. Now, the Psalms in general, what's going on in the Psalms, the Psalms are not a very good place to find theology if you would write thinking about God. Theology is one of the best places to find out right thinking on us. It's a great place to learn what humans are really like. What is it like to be a human, to be honest, to live and to feel, to experience, and then to express those experiences? There's something about, about being human where what you experience is only more real when you share it. Um, let me say this. Um, think about the best moment in your life. When you had this uh, amazing experience, your child was born, you climbed this mountain, you got this raise, what's the first thing which you tried to do? You wanted to share it. Put it on Facebook, yes. <laughs> Instagram story it, right? I mean, something, right? That, right? The, the idea is this. <clears throat> In those moments, your first reaction is to give words to it, to tell someone what it means to you, to bring someone into, the, into that space with you and to share it with you. And so to be human, there is some kind of an element inside of us where we have this desire to, to share things, to share ex, uh, experiences, share uh, feelings and thoughts. There is a need to express ourselves. And what happens is with God, there is a need with God for us to express ourselves to God. But as we've talked about, most of us have been taught this nice form of being Christian, right? Which is really this. To be a Christian is to learn how to stop being human, right? You stop being angry. You stop cursing right? Okay, maybe not. Uh, you stop eating things that you really like, but you shouldn't do. You stop drinking those things that you really like to drink, but you shouldn't drink those things anymore. Or you stop, you stop doing things that feel and that you stop expressing things that, that are actually real, and you learn to just live in this kind of this new false reality. We begin to, to learn to be nice and to smile and to when I want to say something, I just don't. I just smile. Come on. Anybody? Smiles, correct? Smiles are, are one of the biggest lies we have as humans. We eat this, right? There's something about this, this concept that what God wants is something other than what we are in the moment. 
In the Psalms, there is a huge emphasis on the present tense. There's a huge emphasis on what is happening here. And so while they'll talk about the past, things God had done, or they'll talk about the things that he should do in the future, the emphasis is on the present. How do I feel now? And there's value and there's weight in now. And there's something about this honesty that we need to learn today. There is a reality, there's a truth in this. That God wants us to be exactly who we are in this moment. Now, we, we know there is a, there's a maturation in Christ. We know that we're going to grow into Christ. We're going to learn to mature beyond some of the, the, the habits and some of the, the, the ugliness inside. We're going to be healed and made whole. We get that. But there is something about the, this present moment you're in right now. God desires to be completely near to who you are now. And the Psalms give us permission. See, the Psalms tell us, while there is growth and healing to be had, there's change to be made in your life. In this moment, it's not about who you're going to be or who you need to become. In this moment, it's about this. Who are you now? And the Psalms give us permission to give voice to it. The Psalms give us permission to strip back all of the other fake junk which we put on every single day. Now, um, Who's fans of Superman here in the room? Wow, no DC people, huh? Bunch of Marvel fans? You guys are like, wow, he's such a nerd. You're even talking about that. Okay. So with Superman, he has this ability, which kind of evolves in the comics, right? He has this ability to see through things. Oh, I love that, uh, that power. He can see through walls, see through blah, blah, blah. He can see through clothes, right? What's the point of having clothes on when Superman's around? Come on, just be uncomfortable with me just for a second. Enter into that very uncomfortable question. I don't like this. Okay, that's the point. You don't like it. The point is this. You would still want to wear clothes, right? I mean, right, okay. Even though you know he can see through them, the point is this. You are going to feel clothed, correct? That's what matters. What matters is that I'm going to feel clothed. When I am in the presence of God, whenever I am giving my attention to God, when I am talking to Him, thinking about Him, praying, whenever I am being present with God, what can I hide from Him? The truth is nothing. But it doesn't mean that I'm not going to want to keep these fake, false outer clothes on so I feel as if I'm not exposed. And seeing the presence of God, we, we've been taught the value of, of staying emotionally, mentally clothed with God. It's called piety, right? The idea that we're going to stay and to present our best. When we pray, we're going to pray like this, and we're going to make sure that God sees a, a child of God he can be proud of, someone who is gentle and compassionate and loving and kind. That's who God wants me to be in the moment. But the question is this, is that all that he sees? The false whatever you bring in your prayer. Is that all he can see? Or can he see beyond it? Can he see what's really on the inside? And the Psalms tell us this. The Psalms say this. Be raw. Be real. Be honest. And in this honesty, there is an encounter with God to be had which we cannot have anywhere else. In your relationships, the deepest relationships which you and I have are the ones where we can be honest. The marriages that show up in my office when we do counseling, the ones that have a chance, the ones that are going to survive are the ones that have learned to be honest before they ever reach my office. If my office is the first place where couples learn to be honest with each other, they're not going to make it outside of my office. Does that make sense to you? 
Because true trust and relationship is formed in the, in the lack of safety that honesty brings. To be honest with someone is to take a risk. If I'm going to expose the truth of what's inside, there is a risk that I could be hurt, that I could be rejected. And this is the same thing we carry with God. And the Psalms tell us to take that risk. So the imprecatory Psalms, the Psalms of cursing, these Psalms are about this. These Psalms say, don't just be emotionally raw. Don't just share your hurts. Share your hate. Don't just share your anger. Share your judgment. Share what you want to happen to that person. Share it here. This is where it's to be shared. Now, let's talk about cursing for a second. What is it to curse something, okay? Um, Here's a definition from the Oxford English Dictionary. It says this, curse, a solemn utterance intended to invoke a supernatural power to inflict harm or punishment on someone or something. Here's what it is. When I curse something, I am asking God to move, to take that thing, and to move it away, right? If there's something around me that I do not want to be here, I will curse it, and God is going to move and take that thing which I don't want to be around me. He's going to separate it from. He's going to create distance between me and this thing. Now, uh, C.S. Lewis had this concept of hell, and he had this concept of hell where well, to be in hell was to constantly be separated from everything. So to be in hell was, I would, say if I were standing here, I would always be moving farther and farther away from other people and farther and farther away from God, to have distance added. And to curse something, the scriptural kind of understanding of cursing is to uproot, right? Okay, so who has a lawn? Do you guys have weeds in your lawn? Okay, to curse something is to walk around your lawn and to find that weed and to say, I don't want the weed here. So what are you going to do with that weed? You're going to grab it and you're going to uproot it, right? You're going to take it out of the ground because you don't want that thing to remain in your space. You're going to curse that thing, okay? When you, when you come out with the bottle and you spray that sucker, what do you think you're doing? Yeah, you are cursing. As you say, those really great words over your lawn, right? Come on, honest people. Okay. When you find this great flower, okay, or this tree, and you want this tree to stay, you're going to bless it. Now, again, scriptural connotation of blessing. I want this thing to take root. I want this thing to remain. I'm going to bless this thing. When I, when I water this thing, when I tend to it, when I protect it, this is blessing. I want this thing to be rooted this thing needs to stay here. In the uh, New Testament, Jesus, he, he was a great cursor, by the way. I'm not sure if you guys know. Did you guys know that? Not sure that I should go beyond this point then. Okay. That's the reaction I'm going to get here. Okay. The Sermon on the Mount sounds beautiful, doesn't it? Blessed are the what, right? Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the mean. Blessed are, the, are, are those who are the peacemakers. Now, Translating this language, okay? Every time he is saying, blessed are these people, these things. What he is saying, all his teachings are kingdom uh, context. The idea is this. In the kingdom of heaven, when, when I return in my world where I have control, in my lawn, if you want to use that analogy, here are the things which are going to stay planted in the kingdom of heaven. When I return with the power of the Father, these things will stay planted in the kingdom of heaven. Those who are peacemakers. But if you continue reading beyond the, bl- the blesseds, right, the blessings, what comes next? Who knows? What's it called? It's called the, okay. 
We're going to do a series on the parables next, all right? It's, the blessings move on to the woes, right? Woe is he, woe is they, woe is this, right? And the woes is a really nice way of doing what? Cursing. <clears throat> Blessed are these things. They will take root in my kingdom. When I come back, I'm going to make sure these things take root and they flourish under my care. And then there's those things he says, when I come in control of this place, I'm going to woe to those things because I'm going to what? Pluck them. Now, if you even notice, there's even parables where Jesus goes in the fields and there are weeds and there are tares and there are things which gets pulled from the ground. And where do they go? It's a curse word. H-E double hockey sticks, right? Hell. These things are going to what? Hell, right? And so in the parables of Jesus, there's always an in. Those things which gets blessed, they, they put their roots down and they remain. And those things which are cursed, they get pulled from the ground and they do not get to live anymore, right? They do not get to thrive here. They get to be removed to a different space. And so whether it is the outside of the party or the table or the vineyard, or the city. The analogy is the same. There are those which when Jesus comes get to stay planted and those who get uprooted and thrown somewhere else. These are blessings and curses, right? To bless is to root. To, to curse is to uproot, to pull, to pull out. Isn't that really fun that Jesus just loves to curse things? And he comes to the, he comes to the fig tree and he does what to it? Curses that tree. This thing will have no place in my kingdom, in my land. Now, with all these understandings of cursings and, and blessings, all this kind of stuff, why is this important? Why is it crucial for us to talk about uprooting and rooting, blessing and cursing, okay? I have to say this one. Do you guys want a, uh, like an adult teaching moment? Do you guys want one of those? If not, I can skip. Yes or no? Yes or no? You have to say it. I think I heard a no. Did I hear a no? Okay, if I, if I were, what does it mean for something to be damned? If I were to say this chair, if, if I were to stub my toe on this chair, and I say what we all say, right? Damn that chair, right? What am I saying? Send it to hell. <laughs> Think about that concept, right? This curse word is the most rooted curse word in what cursing means. It's the perfect picture of what you do when you curse something. You are reassigning its location. You are naming it saying you have no place here anymore. You are going there, right? Think about how interesting this is. Now, this goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. When man receives his role on this planet, he's called a steward of the planet. And he's get, his first role is to go around and to name things. And of course, in, in Jewish culture, to give something a name is to what? To bless, to bless it, right? To take root. When your child is born, what do you do? You bless that baby with what? A name. Specifically, your name. You give that thing your name. And it's a way of saying, you are rooted where? With me. This is where you are going to be rooted and you're going to flourish. Correct? Have you guys ever seen what happens when a family divides and there's schism? When there's a divorce, what happens? The name is what? Withdrawn. Someone can marry into a family and we bless them. We, we plant them in our family. When there's a divorce and there's, there's hate and there's division, what happens? We try to pull back the blessing. and We try to remove them from our space, from our lawn, from our home. Right? You have no place here. We're going to reassign you a new location. 
This is what it means to curse. Okay? This is what it means to operate in this. Now, for us in the Psalms, it tells us that it's important for us to curse. Why do we need the curse? Here's why we need the curse. Here's the first thing. What is in will always come out. Does that make sense to you? What goes on in here is always going to come out. Um, all right. Think back. What was the last moment that you became unhinged? What's the last moment you lost control? And in that moment, I'm sure that what? What was in? What? Came out. And we call it what? Like vomiting? Telling somebody off? Right? I mean, whatever, right? Have you ever seen someone go from zero to a thousand in a second? Like they're chill, and then all of a sudden they have lost their stinking mind, right? They're just going crazy. Is what just happened, you know, was there a trigger that really created something so powerful to make them lose their mind? No. What it tells us is that was already where? In here. It was already there. It just needed something to let it out. And see, what we have to understand about cursing is that as Christians, we have to become very, very skilled cursers. Did you understand that? You need to work on your cursing game, all of you, okay? Here's why. The Psalms tell us this. The Psalms tell us that there is a place for our cursing. That the place where our cursing, where our hatred and our anger and our judgment and our opinions and our, our opinion of what should happen to other people around us, there is a place for that to go. God. God is the safe place where we are supposed to take everything that is in here and we are supposed to empty it out to Him. This is the place where whenever I want this person's house to burn down and I want blah, 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 you know what I do? I take this and I curse it. I send it to God. This is the only place where I can be fully human and fully submit to Christ. This is the only place where I can be honest and real. And Because you know what? You, you will never have a moment in your life where you cease to experience anger or pain or hatred or even regret or judgment. You will always experience these things in varying levels. The only space I can be fully submitted to Christ and yet fully human is as I submit these things to God. See, Jesus doesn't even teach about these different things. Where to put your hate. Because remember, his culture, every one of his hearers already knew where it went. There is a, a deep ingrained culture and habit of taking our anger and pain and we, and we hand it to Yahweh. We take everything that is ugly and deep and, and messed up in us and we channel it into God's hands. And so for us, we've grown up in a culture that teaches us, what do we do with all of our ugly? What were you taught to do? Hide it. Okay? Now, two types of volcanoes, of course, okay? You have the kinds in Hawaii, slowly seep out, right? They're always just like their lava is always kind of pouring. There are people who you don't like being around because they're just too honest. Think of those people. Don't point. Don't look at them. Right? They're always saying what's on their mind. When they're angry, they're going to tell you. When they're annoyed, they're going to tell you. When they want to curse something, it's going to come out of their mouth. Right? As a pastor, those are my favorite people. <laughs> Volcanoes that seep do not explode. The ones that are always taking everything and just going, I just watch them from a distance. And I go, oh boy. It's about to happen. Cleanup's going to take me a few months after this one. 
when this person explodes, we're going to have six families who get upset over this one because this is going to cause a riot because they have been shoving it down and down, and they just need somewhere to let it out. It doesn't matter who's around. It's just going to come out on someone. If you do not learn how to channel the deepest, most painful parts inside of you into God, it's going to come out on others. And that's the dangerous part. See, the Psalms tell us what, ma- what matters most is expressing to God, sharing to God, communing, talking with God, being in relationship. That's what matters. Not having to filter what comes out. Just getting it out to God is what matters. Because if you do not, it will come out somewhere else. What's in always comes out. Who is the most often person who receives all of the junk inside of you? When you finally explode, who gets it? Your spouse, right? Your pastor, how about that? (laughs) Your pastor gets it. So I would love for you to learn how to curse better, okay? So just save me some time, right? Um, The pastor gets it. Who else gets it? Your kids get it. I was with the kids yesterday, and, you know, I don't want to share all of it, but something happened, and I just freaked out. And there's that moment when you, you know, when it comes out of you, and then like two seconds later, you're like trying to like bring it back. You know what I'm talking about? You're like, oh my gosh, what did I just do? And you're like, where did that come from? You know, so the kid just took an extra cookie or something, right? It's not worth that, right? Like, you know, that's not fair. But all of that was in there. And because I wasn't being mature enough to channel this into God, it came out on the wrong people. And this is the danger. This is the danger of not knowing how to be honest with God, of not knowing how to allow all of the ugly in us to be channeled into God. If, if it doesn't go to God, it goes into the wrong places. And so there are, there are three things that we need from cursing. We need cursing to help us in three ways. This sounds so goofy, I know. Here's the first one. Cursing exposes us, right? When you have that moment when all of the nasty and ugly comes out of you, there's that moment of going, oh my gosh. That was actually in there. And we need that moment. Because see, it's in that moment when we're cursing and we're saying the things that we want to be uprooted and pulled out of our lives, out of the world. And in that moment of us kind of saying our judgments and our anger out on others, in that moment is where all of a sudden we start saying the things that God's going to judge, He's going to curse, and He's going to pull out of us. You're seeing that? When you begin to vomit and throw up all your stuff in the safety of the presence of God, that's where you begin to see what God is working on healing and mending inside of you. When you begin to let that honesty get all of that stuff rolling out of you, that's when you begin to let go and to submit to the work of God inside of you. God, I, have no, I had no idea that was that bad. I had no idea there was so much anger inside of me. I, I didn't know there was so much bitterness or unforgiveness or resentment until it overflew out of me. And if I could have that space and the safety of the presence of God and not have to harm other people, that is a pure good thing. The next thing that we need cursing to do for us, we need cursing to empty us. See, healing starts when we begin to empty out. How do you say this? There's something about pouring these things out that we need. See, in the context of the Psalms, the idea is this. We, we vomit. We put the ugliest things that we want into the hands of God. Because if we don't put our hate into the hands of God, we will take it into what? Our own hands. Do you see what I'm saying? The longer your hate and anger and 
unforgiveness sit on the inside of you, the more likely it is that you're going to take that and you're going to work out your own vengeance, your own judgment. You're going to take your hate into your own hands. The only safe place for our hate is in the hands of God. And when there are families who go through deep pain or loss, there are times where we need to come to God and say, this is honestly how I feel. This is what is really inside of me. And if I don't get it out of me, it's going to kill me. It's going to destroy me. It's going to eat me from the inside out. And so we need it to empty us. We need it to lead us through that process of taking it out of our hands. There is a, there's an element of trust involved here. For me to put my hate in God's hands means that I have to trust that He knows best. When my kid is saying, you need to take away all his toys and give them to me, and you need to spank that kid. Spank him, Dad. You haven't spanked him enough today. And you need to ground him too. There is a point where in order for that child to begin to heal, they have to trust that I'm going to do the right thing. Does that make sense? I'm going to take care of punishment. I'm going to take care of judging what needs to be made right here. And until you let go of your right to, to speak out your judgment, until you let go of your opinions, until you let go of your anger and pain, the healing is never going to start. Healing starts with emptying. And the last thing that we need from cursing is we need cursing to engage us. See, anger is not a bad thing. There's even a, a, a mirror of the character of God in our character. There is a, a space for anger. There is a, a role that anger has in life. And it's something that we even need to understand. There's a role for anger in being a Christian. The problem is we just have to become more skilled at being angry. We have to master the art of cursing. <laughs> oh, that sounds great. Here's this. There are things that as Christians we are called to hate. There are things as Christians we are called to curse. Things as Christians we are called to say, this has no place here, and this needs to be removed. See, what's more dangerous than passion is being passive. The problem is that we live in a time where Christians are embracing this hate, and they believe they are obeying God and expressing all of this hate and saying, you know what? These people need to be uprooted from this country, and it'll make everything better. Do you see this? Christians operating in cursing and saying, you know what, God needs to remove these people and then everything will be fixed. In Christ, we learn that we as Christians have the responsibility to curse things, not faces, not people, not, not names. We have the right to judge things. And it's actually a, a, a responsibility of a Christian. I'll say this. There's a time in this country where there were Christians who were quiet and silent about racism. They said nothing. They were passive. And then there was a time where Christians stood up and said, no, 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 this thing is cursed. This has no place. This has to be uprooted from this country. I almost, you know, close. I almost took it down. I almost cursed this thing and almost found a new location. And the idea is that. The idea is that there are things that we are to call out and we are to say, this has no place here. The danger is that there are Christians who are speaking out and cursing people and people groups saying these need to be uprooted. These, need to be, these are the problem. But what we are to be doing is we are too quiet. The problem is, is that they are passionate and we are passive. And as they begin to speak up louder and louder and begin to create this wrong image of the kingdom of heaven, we are silent. 
And that's the true crime here. That's the, that's the deepest sin that we face. I don't have time to go into sin, but the very nature of sin is to identify what has no place, to identify what God did not say this was good. Sin is the very term that we give to everything that God did not bless. When God created the world and there were things that were good, and this place was the way He wanted, these were what He wanted to thrive, He blessed it. And then there were things that came after. And those things are the things that we are to call sin. And to call something a sin is to curse it. You are saying this is to be sent to a place of fire. This has no place here. And we have to be people who are willing to allow anger to engage us. See, the problem is this. We get angry and hateful about the wrong things, typically people. But we are passive and we are numb about the things that we should be. When the headline comes across and you see the, you know, the, the news article about a sex trade or about meth or about you know, rape or about racism or about bombings in Syria, and you just go, next page. This is sin in us. This passivity, the unwillingness to allow anger to do what anger was to do. And anger is to always to notify us to injustice. Think about your children. When do kids get the most angry? When something isn't fair, when something is wrong. Yes, there's mixed motives in there. But with Jude, he gets so mad at me when the things that are supposed to, this is how the world operates. For example, family day is Friday night. We do family things on Friday night. If I ever break this reality, this truth in his world, family day, Friday's a family day. If I ever say, sorry, son, I have a meeting on Friday. We're going to do family day on Saturday. No, no, no. No, you told me family day is Friday. This is not fair. See, anger has a role. It notifies us when something is out of place. This does not belong. And the problem is this. We don't know the right things to curse and the wrong things. And so what I'm saying to us this morning is that we need to learn that the only way for us to follow Christ full-heartedly is to learn to channel all of our curses, all of our anger, all of our hatred, and do it continually and honestly into Christ. Because see, whenever I can channel my will for someone else, whenever I want the worst things for this person, I can channel that into Christ and I can come out and I can begin to pray His will over their life. When I begin to look into a situation, when I begin to look into this, this terrible situation with rape and with the sexual, I can begin to channel all of my anger and frustration, and what comes out of me is the desire for the kingdom of heaven. No, this is wrong, and this needs to be uprooted from this world, and I need to be a part of it. Would you guys stand with me? There are people in this room today who have experienced the, the truly ugly things of life. You've lived long enough to where you've realized that life is terrible. And there are moments when we face things that are so ugly and so raw and so unfair that there's no good word for it. When you've had a loved one who deals with cancer, there's no clean word to use when talking about the pain of cancer. The only right word is a curse. When you talk about divorce, uh, rape, if you've lost 
a young child before their time, you know there's no clean word to give that. The only word that feels right, the only word that brings relief is to curse that thing. This is not right. I should never have to lose a child. That We should never lose children. These things should not exist. There's no way to to feel that balance inside of you until you call it as it is. This is to be cursed. This should have no place in this world. And if you do not allow yourself to have this freedom with God, it will eat at you. The unfairness of this world, the ugliness, the pain, the injustice, the, just the ugliness that we can experience with other people, it will begin to eat you up from the inside out. And your niceness will become this cover-up for this disease inside of your heart. We need to learn to channel all of the, the darkest, deepest things inside of us into the only safe place. So Father, we just come to you this morning and we ask that you would help us sort through our emotions. We have spent years learning how to push things down, how to reason them away, smile them away, uh, hide them. We've spent years taking our anger and pain and frustration and taking it out on other people. We ask, Lord, that in, in this morning, even in this, in this moment, that you would begin untangling, untethering, pulling the things out of the closet, releasing the things that are deepest inside of our hearts and our minds, that we would not be a people who would hide from you any longer. I pray over this church that we would be honest with you. Honest with you that we would be healed in your presence. That we would go through the process of honesty and healing, that we would be equipped, that you would make room inside of us for forgiveness, for compassion, for reconciliation. And that we would be a people who have taken all of our anger and our hurt and hidden it and entrusted it to you so that we can take anger and use it to call out injustice and hate and oppression and violence for what it is. Things that have no place in this world. So we just submit ourselves. We submit our hearts and our minds, our experiences, our past. We submit ourselves to you. We trust you to come in, uproot the things, curse the things, pull the things out of us that don't need to be there. Bless, plant those things, plant your goodness, plant the bravery to call out injustice, plant healing and wholeness and forgiveness, gentleness and compassion, plant those things, bless those things into our hearts and our minds. Conform us into the image of your Son. In Jesus' name.